This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello and welcome to MS Momentum, the radio show for people with MS, their families and supporters. You're with Valerie, the field officer. The next two shows are just going to be me. Yay. And these I'm going to talk to you about fatigue. It's the most common symptom of MS and about 90% of people with MS have fatigue. So a couple of years ago, before COVID came along, I did the Minimise Fatigue, Maximise Life course through MS and Parkinson's Canterbury. This course was great learning for me. It was created with the input of several people with MS and the fantastic physio Jesse Snowden from Christchurch. Um, the course is amazing. She, they spent a long time making the course and there was a lot of input for people living with MS in the course. So it's very practical and it's got huge amounts of little tips and tricks in it that have come from people who understand where you are coming from. So in the future we will be running this course, so if you fancy doing it at some point, give me a bow and I'll let you know. I'm thinking that it might be done by Zoom by the end of 2022. Hopefully we might be back to real life shortly. Anyway, on with the show. Fatigue is primary and secondary causes. Well, that's the most common symptom of MS. We're not sure why, but yay, there's always research happening. So fatigue can be caused by poor sleep, low levels of fitness, heat sensitivity, depression or low mood. You know, if you're feeling down for more than two weeks, it's more likely to be depression. And depression is also symptomatic of MS. Not surprising because everything's in your brain, isn't it? So if you have been feeling low or depressed for the last couple of weeks, do go and talk to your GP, please. An adequate diet's also another thing that kicks in fatigue. And relapses or infections, sometimes you can have an underlying infection, particularly a um, urinary tract infection, and not be aware of it, and that can make you feel miserable. So, yeah, keep an eye on your general level of health. Um, and individual situations, roles and workloads, and... In our lives, we go in and out of various roles and, and work can be busier one week than the next or it might be at certain times of the month work is really busy. Um, now other, some, other symptoms can be primary causes. Well, actually, no, those ones were primary causes. These are secondary and these are medications like painkillers, antidepressants, antihistamines muscle relaxants and sedatives all can contribute to fatigue, which is not useful, is it? But there it is. There's no magic bullet, nor are there any medications that are particularly useful when it comes to working with fatigue. I know some people can be um, prescribed some, but they're not generally that useful. So managing fatigue is the best thing you can do to minimise the impact it has on your life. Fantastic. How do you learn to do this? Well, you listen to me. No, you don't. You figure out how fatigue impacts your everyday life. Easy? No, not really. The way the um, Minimise Fatigue Maximise Life course has suggested doing that and the way that's come up again and again when I've researched different ways of working with fatigue is that you keep a note. You keep a fatigue diary. So what do you do with your day? 
Wow. Just when I think I've learned the way to live life, life changes. Sue Prather said that. And it does sound like it could have been written by someone living with MS, but it wasn't. So Fatigue Diary, not the most exciting prospect, but one that could have really positive benefits. Keep it straightforward and simple. I found a couple of examples out of the MFML course. Um, just fairly basic with uh, the time of day, the activity, fatigue level between 1 and 10, 10 being the highest, and what your last night's sleep was like. So sometimes we do stuff and think, oh, I'm buggered, and then realise that the day before or two days before, you know, you went for a really big walk, or sometimes emotional life gets in the way and can make us feel quite buggered as well. And life is quite knackering, particularly at the minute. It's not the most exciting thing to do, keeping a fatigue diary. And a couple of things we need to keep in mind is when you're going to fill it out, what might stop you filling it out, and ways of working around this. As a wee experiment, I decided to see if I could keep to manage, could manage to fill one out at the time of writing the show. I didn't. We had to do one when we were doing the course with Jesse Snowden and some of us managed to keep it, but not many. So a way to do that would be at the start and or end of every day, put time aside. If you have a diary, could you write it down in there that you had a good day or a bad day, your fatigue was high or low? So one of the quotes from Angela who did the MFML course was, I found the fatigue diary straightforward. How can one make changes without actually seeing how we spend our time? And, you know, life just ticks on and you do everything the same every day generally. And it's not until you actually stop and look at how those how you do those things that you realise you could do them differently or that the things that you do do that are knackering, you don't realise perhaps that it's that it might trigger your fatigue. So start with a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being the most knackered. Fatigue is invisible and complex. You may well look fantastic, but be tuckered out. So letting other people know and communicating your fatigue is crucial, but it's not easy. So breaking this down to two parts, describing your fatigue and then describing your fatigue levels. So fatigue can be described as that absolutely wrung out feeling, not a healthy tired, a draining, sickening tired that engulfs you and weighs you down nauseates as well as crushing your spirit and that's from Anne who was an Emmy female participant so fatigue is not being tired if anybody says oh you're just tired you can just say Valerie said I could clip you around the ear the dreaded thing affects everybody differently so fatigue levels do not relate to how severe a person's MS is um, and fatigue is one of the really big reasons that people with ME stop working earlier than most people. So learning how to manage it is not going to happen overnight, is it? This show is just a wee taster of how to figure out how to start understanding your fatigue and a couple of ideas about how to make your life easier. It's quite common to underestimate the effects of fatigue on everyday life. And explaining it can be tricky. One idea is to compare it to battery levels. Say, I'm at 20% now, so I can't do something that needs 50% of your energy. I love the spoons thing. An average person without MS might have 10 spoons of energy every day. Spoon usage is spread out across your day. 
So someone with MS might only have six spoons per day worth of energy. Some days getting up, showered, dressed might take three spoons, leaving you only three for the rest of the day. So you have to be able to manage that. There's quite a difference. Some people will use all their spoons in the morning. Some will use them regularly across the day. We're going to break now for a song, and I've chosen this very tongue-in-cheek. This is Bruno Mars's The Lazy Song. It seemed to fit well with this theme. This is MS Momentum on OAR FM. Today I don't feel like doing anything I just want to lay in my bed Don't feel like picking up my phone So leave a message at the tone Cause today I swear I'm not doing anything uh, I'm gonna kick my feet up then stare at the fan Turn the TV on, throw my hand in my pants Nobody's gonna tell me I can't Nah, I'll be lounging on the couch just chilling in my Snuggie MTV so they can teach me how to Dougie Cause in my castle I'm the freaking man Oh yes I said it, I said it, I said it cause I can Today I don't feel like doing anything I just wanna lay in my bed Don't feel like picking up my phone So leave a message at the tone Lazy song by Bruno Mars. Having fatigue doesn't mean you're lazy at all. It's not simply being tired. It is much more than being either tired or lazy. Well, you're neither of those things. We're back to the spoons. 
If you can talk to your people about this, how many spoons or energy you have per day, it can be a great way of communicating how your day's going. If your family are unaware of the impact of fatigue, this can make planning life a bit more realistic. If you're underestimating the impact of fatigue on you, this makes figuring out life planning harder. And what I mean by underestimating is that you might be a bit more tired, a bit more grumpy with your family, and you might not realise that it's to do with your fatigue levels. We'd all like to have boundless energy. To be fair, I only think toddlers have this. And being frustrated with fatigue is hard. Hard if the people around you don't understand the impact it may well have in your daily life. So be a bit kinder to yourself. Keep a diary. Make it a family event. Can you fill it out, your diary, when the kids are doing their homework or before when you start making dinner? Take heart. Starting with a fatigue diary will show you where you're using your energy. The next radio show will be on how to manage your fatigue better. There's no such thing as an easy fix, but hopefully starting with a simple diary of activities might help you to find ways to manage it. If you want to change the way fatigue sits in your life, you will have to change. This is an easy change, never is. But if you're, the way you are doing things isn't working, maybe it's time for a change. Fatigue is one of the symptoms that is invisible. And learning about how it affects your life can make your quality of life better. So there's some other things with MS that are invisible, like heat sensitivity, pain, which is knackering in itself, depression, Cognitive issues like struggling to concentrate, um, cog fog, where you just feel like you're swimming through fog trying to trying to deal with a conversation or learning anything or remembering anything. All of these add to your fatigue. So figuring out ways that can help you with your fatigue need to be individual and flexible. If you're in pain, talk to your GP. Some medications can make us sleepier than others. Uh, that might be a bit individual as well and lifestyle factors are you looking after your diet are you sleeping well things that may well make you feel better might make you feel worse first dreaded exercise might be hard at first despicable even but the fitter we are the more energy we have and the better we feel emotionally hard as it is to start exercising if we have ever exercised previously we know that eventually we will feel better with the last couple of years we've had an impact of COVID, we can all do with something to look forward to. So whilst you're thinking about how to manage your fatigue, what is something positive you can do with that energy? Possibly not climbing Mount Everest, but what about something you really want to do? Keep your ideas realistic. Ideally, your plans start with a smart concept. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and relevant and timely. This has been Emmy's Momentum on OARFM. Give yourself the best chance of reaching a new goal. Is there a family event coming up you'd like to attend? Research shows it takes two months or 66 days for something to become a habit. So two months in the long term isn't that long to be persevering. Most likely there will be a difference between what you really want to do and reality. This is time for all of us, true for all of us, sorry. I want to take my son to base camp at Mount Everest. Currently, I struggle to go for a walk every day. Slow, sleddy changes over time will make this goal maybe achievable long term.
so in talking about a fatigue diary, keep in the back of your head things like when do I feel most tired during the week? Is it on a Wednesday? Traditionally known as hump day, although I do prefer the term little Saturday. Makes the week a wee bit shorter. How could I incorporate scheduled rest periods during my day? A wee neuro nap in the afternoon is never a bad idea, as long as it's not more than 40 minutes. Are there particularly any particular things I may need a preventive rest for? I love this term, a preventive rest. So a wee, before you go out for an evening meal, have a wee rest. A wee nap doesn't need to be a nap. It can just be in a dark room, not on your tablet, not on your phone, just having a bit of quiet time before you go out, particularly if there are going to be more people around. What will be your biggest challenge around taking a rest and how could you meet this? So my biggest challenge around taking a rest is my son. So I just shut my door, but then the cats want in. So it could be find the solution for the problem before you try it. So if it's I want to have a rest at 5 o'clock and everybody's walking in the door, it's like, okay, you go, go to your bedroom and just sit down. Or have a wee lie down and then say, come out. I've instigated a half hour break between work and home life just to get me out of one and into the other. And how is having a break going to fit in with your family and your other commitments? We all have quite busy lives these days and the expectations, I I think, quite frankly, are a wee bit unrealistic. So when you're doing your diary, think about what activity it is. So if it's cooking tea, how often does it happen? And that's, you know, daily. Does it increase or decrease your fatigue? It increases physical fatigue, particularly if you're standing. So when you're doing, if you know you're going to be cooking tea every night, can you do a batch cook so you don't have to cook every night? What about staff meetings? How often do you have them? And do they increase or decrease your fatigue? potentially increasing your mental fatigue because you've got to pay attention. So when when we have our goals, I found this wonderful wee sheet. I think it's off a kid's school site. So it's got my main goal right now. What kind of causes am I looking right now? What actions am I taking? And the answers to these questions is what will determine the future, apparently. So... Having a target date for your goal is a really good idea. If you say, oh, I want to be fitter, but don't give yourself an end date, you're less likely to achieve that goal. And how will you know when you've reached your goal? It might be that double chin's gone. Or I'm not having to have a rest during the day. So if you make your goals smart, you're much much more likely to achieve them. Why is the goal important? If it's been a bit fitter, it might mean that you can go out and have a game of cricket with the kids in the backyard. And what key strengths have you got that are going to help you get this goal? We've all got things we're good at. So what are your strengths? What can help you get this goal for you? And what obstacles might get in the way? And how are you going to respond to those obstacles? So it might be but the kids are going to get in the way and they're going to need my attention. It's like, okay, we'll do it when the kids aren't there. 
pretty simplistic, I know. Life is not that simple. But it might be, I'm going to do it after I've cooked tea. Partner can look after the kids while I go for a walk. You've got to fit your goals in around life. And what are we good about achieving your goal? Well, if you're fitter and your fatigue's a bit more under control, everything in life is going to be much more fun, much more exciting. And what are the next best steps to do in achieving your goal? So what, when you achieve your goal, what would be the next next thing that you would want to do? Perhaps stepping your goals in, okay, if I reach this halfway point in my goal, I'm allowed to take myself off to the movies or I'm allowed to go and buy that fantastic new pair of shoes I want. Not high heels, by the way, please. Um, there's all sorts of wee treats that we can convince ourselves we need that don't cost money. It might be that if I do this, I can watch that TV program or with the rise of Netflix and Neon and things like that, if I do this today, I can watch those things. If you want to exercise outside and you don't want to do when it's raining, go, if I do today when it's not raining, if I go for a walk around the block today, then tomorrow when it's raining, I can watch my program. Even little things can make your goals. If it's about exercise, even little things like standing up in the middle of the ad breaks, the more and more research is coming out about MS is making the exercise is the key thing that you can do to help your MS and to make sure that if we're, to make sure that you can cope with all the changes that MS are going to chuck at you because it's the only thing guaranteed about MS is that it's constantly blimmin' changing. This has been MS Momentum with Valerie on OARFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.